This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Points shared in the latest edition of El City Pool. A second half goal sees Liverpool escape with a point after a wasteful City display. We'll chat about all the major talking points from Saturday's game, plus give a shout out to the greatest English right back of all time. No Gary Neville, it is not Trent Alexander-Arnold, it is our very own Kyle Walker. It's Monday the 27th of November. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. I'm Oli McCool. And this is the City Report Podcast. Here for Gundogan! It is a thrilling start for Manchester City. The fastest ever goal in an FA Cup final. 2023 is the City treble year. Champions of England, FA Cup winners, and now, at last, Champions of Europe. The city are kings of Europe. Now they have their triple crown. Well then, well then, welcome to what promises to be a very eventful and hopefully exciting, plenty of talking points to get through. Adam, weekend, 1-1 draw, apart from the football, did you have a good Saturday, Sunday, bit of time off? Uh, yeah, had uh, a lot of Thanksgiving leftovers. I, I'm not one, both Laura and I are not, not ones for... Um, celebrating typical American holidays, but we did make some food and sit and watch football. Um, so I guess we did the holiday thing anyways. Um, yeah, it, it was a fine weekend. I just want to apologize ahead of time. If I stand up in the 10th minute of this podcast and start chanting city report <laughs> corrupt as fuck, I just want to apologize for that ahead of time. Can you do a Scouse accent to go with it? Absolutely not. <laughs> city report. Cut up as for um, okay. Well, we are two minutes in, Ollie, and it's already going off the rails. So um, we should be in for a good show. But Thanksgiving is always something that I think us us British folk just can't wrap our heads around at all. You made a great point the other day, actually. Um, like fair play, Americans. Couple of weeks before Christmas getting pissed, eating loads of good food. I mean, it, it seems like a, a good excuse. However, being on a Thursday, that's always... I don't, I don't know if there's any reason why that is. It's always been a bit weird to me. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, the bank holiday appreciators in this country can appreciate a Thursday. Um, but apart from, but, but I would agree that's probably mm, th- its only flaw. But I mean, getting pissed and eating a lot of food—it just sounds like the average British weekend, anyway, doesn't it? Um, just to, to an extreme. Well, it, but, I, but he, I'm not against here it. in America. Here in America, having having Christmas, you know, celebrating Jesus and 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 the nice things in life, we need to counteract that a little bit to celebrate imperialism once a year. So we just balance things out with Thanksgiving. That just about sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, well, we're not here to speak about uh, British and American cultures and traditions, although I'm sure we could get well over an hour out of that topic. We actually are here to speak about Manchester City 1, Liverpool 1. Adam, I'll start with you. Um, If you'd have offered me that, uh, possibly what half ten on Friday night after a few pints, I'd have said, "Yeah, absolutely, take it." One-one draw. I I had high expectations for Liverpool. I think some people have sort of suggested that they weren't that impressive, and I think that you know, obviously, City were the better team. Let's let's put it that way. But I don't think Liverpool were played nearly as bad as some people suggest. I don't actually think they played as good as some other people have suggested. I think they were just okay. However, coming out the ground, different story. I think it was. Um, I would say two points dropped rather than one point gained. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I think if you hadn't watched the game and you just looked at the stat lines and you looked at the score line, you'd say, right, against the team chasing you, what were they, two points behind coming in, maybe just one point behind coming in um, to get a draw? Fine, fair enough. You, you move on and, and focus on the teams that you should be beating. Um but yeah, when you're 1-0 up and you have the chances, I think, to put them to the sword and, and potentially run away with things the way that you did last year, um, it's super frustrating. And, and obviously, deeper into this show, we'll get into some of the, the poor performers with the ball. Um, but you know, I think from an attacking point of view, to not be a bit more ruthless and take a two or three goal lead deeper into the second half um, is, is definitely disappointing. So yeah, I think you absolutely view it as two points dropped yeah and I think the stats you referenced there probably back it up City was 60% possession 1.36 xg that came from 16 total shots although only five shots on target two big chances one big chance missed obviously Erling Haaland getting the goal um Ollie, let's try if we can to focus on the positives to start off with Guardiola, after the game, I, I can't remember the exact word he used. He, I think he called it a masterpiece or a masterful show. You know, something like that. A little bit of pep hyperbole, nonetheless. But it was... I've, I've sort of to and fro since full-time on Saturday from being... No, it was an absolute shit show. City were poor. City, you know, we should have battered them. We had the chances. We didn't take them. It was sloppy at times to go. And no, actually, we, we played the games probably... Arsenal may have a conversation or shout in this, but you know, in over the last five years, the second best team in the world, only bettered by Manchester City. And we sort of we we had the chances, we played well, we won another day take take them. I, I mean, it, where where have you come in on it? Because I've been conflicted and I'm sure other people have been conflicted with the analysis as well. Yeah, I, I come out of it thinking on balance, probably a fair result. But I just, the more I think about it, the more frustrated I've been by City's performance. Because I just felt like, as you say, Liverpool didn't play badly. I just thought they were there for the taking. You know, the whole 90 minutes, I, I didn't once feel that City had fully let the game slip away from them. They felt, you know, they were on the ropes a little bit as two as two great teams playing each other are. You know, there are always going to be those moments. But I, don't ever fe- I never felt that City were uncomfortable in the game completely. 
um, and you feel another five or ten percent from certain plays, especially that game would have been wrapped up at half time, uh, which is the most fr- which is the most frustrating thing. You know, when there's chances to kill the game early, especially when they're coming from mistakes from the other team, they're not coming from your own; they're coming from mistakes. That's a real, real kick in the teeth. I think. Um, you know, thinking immediately of that Foden one, but overall, you know, considering the injury list that uh, City have, and you know, Liverpool fans won't like to hear this, but they did have the stronger bench on Saturday. Um, they'll be fuming about mm. that, but they did have the stronger bench because Calvin Phillips and Rico Lewis is pretty much your own, and Guardiola is your only senior players who are actually ready to play. Don't really think that's you know counts as proper depth compared to Gakpo and Diaz and Harvey Elliott and all the others they had stacked up on their bench. You know how the turn, how the tables turn. But overall, it's, yeah, it's just a bit disappointing, isn't it? And you don't want to lose to Liverpool. You know they're not. Our, you know I think we, we us three especially will all agree Man United are our biggest rivals. That's the game we want to win if we had the choice between the two teams of beating. Um, but ultimately, you want to be beating Liverpool as much as you can, especially when they've been in quite imperious form, especially staying in games, keeping. You know, winning winning points from losing positions. I think they lead the league in that at the moment. Um, so it's it, it's a really disappointing one. You know, they were there for the taking, and City didn't take the chances in the end of the day. Yeah, certainly. I'm and it just was again looking on. Yeah, yeah, true. God, I just went his day, but it was it was cold. Um, I'm just looking on FootMob at the stats, and it's interesting actually. I didn't I didn't realise this at the time, but City only had five shots in the first half. Four of them were on target, and obviously they got the goal in the first half early in Haaland. In the second half, they have eleven shots, so they basically double their shot output, but only one of them is on target. And don't get me wrong, you know there were some half half efforts from from range, you know, trying to trying to sneak one in. But I think all but two of those eleven shots came inside the penalty area and and Adam I'll, I'll pose this question to you as we sort of pivot onto maybe what went wrong um on the preview show we were we were questioning whether or not the Chelsea game was one of those crazy one-offs that happen every season 4-4 draw you know you're right you put across for it you're right line under you go whatever were you satisfied with Saturday showing that it was a step in the right direction that City and maybe this wasn't the the the, the idea maybe there was a case of take the handbrake off even further but City maybe returned to some a little bit more of that sort of familiar controlled style or at least have the game under control because I don't for a second however Pep sets the team up think that he, he wants it to be a 4-4 draw you know that wasn't the intention at Stamford Bridge were you satisfied that it was maybe a step in the right direction or is this still question marks for you at the, the way City have set up if we're starting from conceding four goals away to a team that has struggled <laughs> to score goals all season um, then yes it's a step in the right direction but the bar is pretty low there um, I, I think I don't want to make excuses for any any of the players or any of the performances but but I do sympathize in a way with some of the showings um you know, I hate to agree with Jurgen Klopp. I don't agree with him on many things. But uh, coming back from an international break in which, you know, we see players dropping like flies all around Europe, big time players, ACLs going, MCLs going, Achilles going, all across Europe. Um, to come back, play the early Saturday morning kickoff. You know, I think it makes sense for Julian Alvarez to have a, a poor showing. I think it. Phil Foden, I don't know. He did 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 England travel all that much? Maybe not, but it, you know, it, it makes a bit of sense for some of these players to have a sluggish showing. Um, but is it a step in the right direction from conceding four against Chelsea? Absolutely. But given some of the performances that we've seen earlier on in this season, 
um, you know, you think of the Manchester Derby showing and uh, and other games like that, then then it's it's not a step forward from there. That's for sure. Yeah, it's probably a step backwards, if not a, a sideways step at best. Uh, Phil Foden, he played both England's matches. They played North Macedonia on the Monday night, which I think is like a three-hour, four-hour flight, which obviously for you US folk is just like a trip to the shops. But, you know, for us us Europeans, that is a bit of a sluggish journey. I, and the I have to say, I walk to the grocery store in 10 minutes, <laughs> all right? Oregon's cool, man. That's all I'm saying. Um, Andrew Detmer has to walk to his car, which is 10 minutes away. I'm joking. I don't know. Well, I'm just, I, I'm just I, as you guys know, I can't walk to my car because my car was stolen this past weekend. So that was yes. an interesting turn yeah, of events. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's not very, it's not very thankful, is it? On, on Thanksgiving weekend. But yeah, so Phil Foden, obviously the point I'm getting at it was, was leggy as well. Um, the Macedonia game, it, you know, it was, the pitch had just been relayed. So you can understand like it isn't a 12 hour flight back from Brazil having played in uh, Argentina versus Brazil but you can understand why some of these players were looking a little bit off it and and again to go back to it first game back after the international break early kickoff um you probably take it in the end although like we say the 90 minutes it was there for city Ollie, do you, do you think that was how how did how did you mark city's performance then because it it felt for me anyway watching it that they were trying to be a little bit more open. I remember a couple of times in that first half when Liverpool would give the ball away and they did so on a number of occasions. Edison would quickly try and get it back into play. I remember a, a few times he, he sort of, he, he gave the ball away himself trying to, you know, play it long or throw it and whatnot. It felt like City were trying to up the urgency a little bit, take advantage of that shaky back line Liverpool have, have shown at times. But I don't think it, it works. I don't think it works. And City at the uh, looked at the best when they were building from the back, as we know they are so usually fantastic at doing so. Yeah, I think that's the thing. You know, City is still getting used to playing chaos ball, as we've all kind of, I've especially dubbed it as chaos ball. You know, and mm. there's, cer- there's certain players who emulate that more. You know, Jeremy Doku being kind of the ultimate poster boy for it, and how he was used is very much. Yeah, significant in that style, but it was also enforced by injuries. Um, so it's in, it's just one of those where I just, I will, you're just crying out for City to just hold on to the ball a little bit longer, you know, try and fo- not try and force it as much mm. because at times they were just giving, it was just giving the ball away too easily and it became a bit basketball, even though, you know, you know, Bernardo Silva put in the performance of his life in that first half, um, you know, in all, in all kind of areas of the pitch. Uh, Rodri was his usual seven, eight out of 10 self. Um, but you know you can see you can see the effects of the international break creeping in on even him now um, and you know he plays so many matches for City anyway so it's always going to be tough as you were saying about other players as well um, you just it just felt very 6-7 out of 10 from City for a lot of that game you know I just, I just felt like they were trying to they were trying to almost replicate Liverpool by being they were trying to beat Liverpool by being them um, in some ways, you know, the old school heavy metal football. And we saw a little bit of that from Liverpool, especially in, especially more in the second half. But in the first half, they kept trying runs forward and City would just block it and then they try and counter immediately themselves. And you're just thinking, you're not looking like yourselves here, lads. You might be getting the ball into the final third a lot, but you're not really playing brilliantly. You know, it was more one or two players putting in a shift more than a whole team putting in a shift, which is what we've come to know from City. Um I still don't think City have played anywhere near their best football this season. You still, I, I still think we're almost waiting mm. for a proper statement performance for them. And they usually come in games at the Etihad against Liverpool. 
which is all the more kind of sad and shocking here that it didn't. Um, yeah, it's just, it just kind of, it just kind of leaves a little bit of disappointment in the mouth, you know, when you just feel the game was there for the taking. If you just slowed it down a little bit more, and, we, and we've all gone mad at Pep in the past for saying, "Oh, the game's a bit too slow," but this is one where a little bit more control, a little bit more patience, and I think it would have been a much, much easier ride at points for City in terms of creating chances. Yeah, absolutely. And and to sort of um, piggyback on the on the back of other points that have been made already, given the state of the squad, given the fitness levels, you could tell in that last twenty minutes when Liverpool started to get back on top, that City and I, I, I mean, I saw some people criticising Pep not making any substitutions. My answer to or my argument against that would be like, okay, well, who do you bring on? Rico Lewis, yeah, he, he could have come on, he could have added a little bit more control, but to get into that sort of game at that point is a lot to ask, even. For for how, how good we know Rico Lewis is. And it just felt like the last 20 minutes, it played into Liverpool's hands because City looked they, they, they look spent. And I think I said that at the time in the stadium, they, they looked absolutely spent. Um, Adam, I'll give you the floor then because to say you caused a controversy would be putting it lightly with some of your tweets over the weekend. Um, I think it was around Mr. Jeremy Docky, who has become this sort of, I feel sorry for the lad. I genuinely do because hopefully he's, he's got people around him who are, I mean, he looks like he's loving life. So I'd say that about, but it, you know, it, he has become this sort of this, this larger than life metaphorical character where cities debate, you know, X and Z, you know, he, he represents something that is more than a footballer at this moment in time. And, and it, you know, it's, it's a little bit bigger than that. Docu's performance, um, split opinions, it's safe to say. Which side of the argument were you on um, at full time? Yeah, I, I will preface this by saying that my tweets were largely misinterpreted. And it's exactly how you introduce him there as he's become this larger than life. He, we almost treat him like a streets don't forget or, or type of player. <laughs> you know, the streets always remember, like an adult Tarat kind of player. But he's still playing right now and he's 21 and he's got 10... 10 to 15 years of, of football ahead of him. Mm. Look, I, I I thought he was City's best attacker. That doesn't mean mm. I don't think, um, you know, the bar was low for being City's best attacker. I think Jeremy Doku is a sensational footballer. Do I think he has flaws? Yes. Um, I, I, largely, I think that if you get past your man, at a historic rate and get the ball into the box at a historic rate, you shouldn't be a middle of the pack chance creator. You know, someone tweeted at me saying, well, Jeremy Doku and Bernardo Silva had the same number of crosses in the final third with the same, um, you know, completion percentage or success percentage. Why aren't you criticizing Bernardo Silva? Well, Bernardo Silva didn't get there 26 times and set a record for how many times, you know, he got into the final third with a successful <laughs> dribble. Point being, you give Bernardo Silva, you give, I don't know, uh, Phil Foden on his day, which was not, it was not his day. You give, you know, some of these m- more creative players, potentially even a Jack Grealish, historic amount of times at getting an attempt in the final third. They probably create more than Jeremy Doku is. He's 21. He's been here for about 10 minutes. He's going to be an absolute superstar. I have no doubt about that. At the moment, I think that his end product in the final third is is raw. It has it leaves some to mm. be desired. Is it going to get better? Absolutely. I think the numbers can kind of look a little inflated because he gets there so often. He gets there ten times more than than the next. Um, but look, 
I'm not at any point suggesting he shouldn't play. He shouldn't play big games or anything of the like. I think that he has this one thing to work on, and that's about it. Hmm. Yeah, it's not a bad start, is it, for your £60 million winger coming from... Stad ran in France are a decent team, but they're not a sort of, you know, you'd probably bat them to finish top half of the Premier League, maybe. They'd probably be in the bottom half, actually. What I'm getting at is he's made a big leap and he's done bloody very good, uh, a good job at it at the moment. I think for me, the way I've interpreted it, and I agree, I thought Doki was good. I'm not sort of necessarily buying into the idea that he put on this masterclass. And it's funny because on the other side of it, you've got Liverpool fans who say Trent Alexander-Arnold had the greatest game of, of all time, whilst he set a record for the amount of times he was dribbled past. Although again, when you look at what that, that stat dribbled past completed dribble means, you know, it, so in our heads, we kind of see com- completed dribble as they've got past the man and it's almost akin to a chance creation. But, it, it, you know, it's a little bit softer than that. You can just carry the ball two yards beyond a the player. They're not even challenging for a tackling. It counts as a dribble. So that's maybe one to look at. But the, the way I interpreted it with Jeremy Doku is a case of, it for him, it's quantity over quality at times. Whereas for someone like Jack Grealish, you are looking for a player who's going to create maybe two or three chances a game, but they're going to be high quality chances, they're going to be high XG chances. And this this may sound reductive of me because I've spent the last, what, 18 months saying for Jack Grealish, it isn't all about goals and assists. But when you have a player like Jeremy Doku, whose primary intention is to create chances... And especially in Kevin De Bruyne's absence, and I don't want to put that that absence on his shoulders. It's not his fault, and it's not his fault. You know, for example, Alvarez, Foden, they should have done better on Saturday. But you, to, for him, for me anyway, for him to have a good game, it almost has to come with a goal or an assist. And don't get me wrong, he very nearly got it. If Alvarez had taken his chance better, um, I think Kyle in Haaland had another one. So. Yes, he was close. And again, to go back to it, he was really good. But I think for him to have that impact, it, it does have to deliver a goal and an assist. Against Bournemouth, prime example, he gets into those positions and his decision-making was bang on. It was incredible, world-class performance that day. It just felt a little bit erratic for me, Ollie, against Liverpool. It felt like at times that he was almost maybe not taking that extra second to, to think about what was coming next. And that's great because it causes panic for defenders. But it just it just felt like I'm going to use the word I'm going to say the line it just felt a little bit raw. Yeah, I mean the the word raw has become controversial over the past 24 48 hours on uh, social media, hasn't it? When describing Jeremy Doku, um, for all intents and purposes, I completely agree with both of you. I, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, we can all reference tweets that we've posted and things that we've said online um, this past weekend. But fr- frankly, I just think some of the chat has been absolute to without use of a better word absolute bollocks um you know people are so desperate to compare doku and grealish without realizing that they are in the side for completely different things you know ultimately they both have the same end goal they want to you know eventually at some point in the game create chances score or assist for manchester city that is you know the end goal for a lot of for, for a lot of our attackers but for someone like Jack Grealish, whose skills have been used in a certain way to manipulate games and to manip- and to use space and to create time for other players to get into better positions, we're not expecting that of Jeremy Doku yet. But also at the same time, I'm expecting Jeremy Doku to just show a little bit more composure 
you know, and and it and it comes down to he's been here, he's been here what three months? He's three months into a five six year contract. He's going to get better. He's going to develop that composure. But the fact he was our best attacker yesterday is damning on the rest of them. You know, another day, Phil Foden and Julian Alvarez step up and, you know, we can overlook some of Jeremy Doku's flaws, you know. Or, for example, Alvarez and Haaland both finished their chances that they had off Doku and we can can overlook some of the times he lost the ball on some of those dribbles. You know, it's just, I think we're we're all desperate Mm. because we all kind of, I think, generally what happens with City fans is we all pick our favourites and then immediately, you know, there's always a bunch of people who always have to pick a scapegoat. And for some reason, for the last three years, it has been Jack Grealish. And then the one game that Jack Grealish misses when he normally would have played, it's all, well, Jeremy Doku was absolutely fantastic, wasn't it? We had the same exact situation with Raheem Sterling and Leroy Sane for years. You know, Leroy Sane on his day, wonderful, wonderful player. You know, we've all got our favourite memories of Leroy Sane. Ironically, I think most of ours is against Liverpool, uh, you know, which kind of sets the bar <laughs> for Jeremy Doku to reach. But ultimately, we all accept that Raheem Sterling was the better, more consistent player for Manchester City. And I think people are forgetting the fact that Jack Grealish was a massive part in us winning the treble. People are forgetting that Jack Grealish mm-hmm. puts in huge performances in the big, big games for Manchester City. You know, every derby that kid's played in, he's been fantastic. He's been absolutely fantastic, Jack Grealish, in the big games for Manchester City. And I have no doubt if he was fully fit on Saturday, he would have played and he would have done his role and he would have done it brilliantly. But we don't need to just have this constant kind of battle uh, over, you know, oh, well, why can't Jack Grealish do what Jeremy Doku does? Why can't Jack Grealish take on his man more? That's because it's not what he's there for. Pep chooses Doku mm. and chooses Grealish when they're both fit for certain reasons. You know, we can point to the Chelsea game at Jeremy Doku's inclusion, probably backfiring a little bit, but we can point to a ton of games in the three years Jack Grealish has been at this club as to why he's a much, much better player in the big, big games like this. Jeremy Doku will get to that level. I'm absolutely convinced this kid's going to be a superstar at Manchester City. There is no doubt in my mind that Pep is going to turn him into an absolute world-class footballer because all all the quality is there, all the potential is there, but as we've said, that rawness is still very much there. And anyone denying that just needs to actually go and watch this kid play football over 90 minutes and not just look at his dribbles, not just look at his dribbles completed stats. Because that is what will, it, it's going to, it's going to bog him down, I think, in certain ways, because people, there's going to be people who defend him every five minutes. And it, and, you know, it might get back to him and he might start thinking, well, everyone's happy with what I'm doing, but I'm not, but, you know, it's not actually resulting in performances at certain points. Yeah, it's just one of those incredibly frustrating situations where no, where very, very few people, and I think luckily on this podcast and luckily am- amongst all the contributors of, of this podcast, we're all level-headed and sensible enough to go, actually, we can criticise the lad here despite his 11 out of 15 dribbles. You know, he had a good game. He could have had a better one, but ultimately... This is just this is the level we're at at Manchester City. If Jeremy Doku is our best attacker, then something's going wrong. But ultimately, I don't think it's a mm. I don't think it's a reflection on him. I think it's a reflection on the standards that we expect of other players. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and and I think um, I might have said this on Twitter, I might not have done, but in in the ground. Um, he was given man of the match that I don't know how it's done. I think it's maybe fan voted. Not that it matters at all, but all around us, there was, there was sort of looks of confusion. Like, Oh, okay, maybe. And then don't get me wrong. You know, 
everybody's entitled to an opinion. I'm, I'm not suggesting for a second that was free sat here at, at the Oracle. Well, some people are listen. entitled to an opinion. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, it boils down to how you interpret the game. And, and just in those big games, I think we, we set a blueprint last year to how, for how to do it, especially at home. Chelsea away, I'm, like I said, I'm going to put it down as it being an, an, an anomaly. But in that big game at the Etihad, I just, I just felt a little like we left a little bit out there. Um, Adam, you're going to, you're going to talk more about the, the setup, the tactical uh, ins and outs on tomorrow's show, uh, specifically Erling Haaland and and why for some reason it, it felt like City players didn't want to pass to him. Listeners, stay exactly where you are. We'll do the referee chat, which is, um, I'm sure, to be as level-headed as our Jeremy Doku conversation after this short break. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season. And the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Plenty for you to get excited for this week. Five episodes in your feed Monday to Friday. So make sure you are subscribed if you aren't already. Um, right. Okay. From one controversial topic to another one now, Adam. Um, City should have been 2 0 up, shouldn't they? Ruben Dizzy's goal should have counted. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Uh, how, how you come to, d- I, I understand that goalkeepers are, uh, um, are a protected breed, a protected species. Mm. Um, but how you come to the decision, the, the decision, well, I can't even remember. Was there a lengthy VAR review at all? Or was it just I'd eh, say a bit of contact was, on a keeper? Let's be safe. No longer than 60 seconds. It came up checking goal, but I, I don't think it was longer than 60 seconds. Yeah. Um, I think that was a, was an absolute abomination of a call. Uh, there's a mm-hmm. little bit of contact on a keeper. That is just normal from a corner kick. Um, and the keeper who had been shaky all day drops the ball. It falls to an attacker. The, the, the ball is in the back of the net. Simple as that. It's, it's a good goal. It's a good goal nine to- 100 times out of 100 um, for any club, any, any team. Uh, I cannot explain it. It, it left me baffled and, and obviously us, us paying punters in the stadium, we weren't privy to a, a replay. So it was only afterwards that I saw it on Twitter and I only saw the sort of the, the live feed as it happened. And gradually throughout the day as I'm scrolling on my feed, I'm seeing different angles and I'm getting more, more and more irate. I think possibly even Jamie Carragher said that it should have been a goal, which counts. And I think if, if Jamie Carragher saying that in a City versus Liverpool game, a, a goal against Liverpool, then you've got an issue. I um, think, I think we need to start hiring referees from 
for for closer than Ashton Underline. <laughs> I think maybe we need to pluck referees straight out of Mary D's going forward because this <laughs> yeah. this rigging didn't work for us. Yeah, I was literally going to say Ollie, um, City fanatic, Bert, the king of the birds, Chris Chris Kavanagh. Um, we we obviously didn't pay him enough, did we? Yeah, Kipax Corners, Chris Kavanagh did us does us fuck all favors there, didn't he? <laughs> Oh, just what a what an abysmal, abysmal referee he is. I, I'm really, I'm really sorry because referees do have a hard job, but that is a bloody obvious call to make. It's a, it's a fucking goal. It's a perfectly fine goal, and I, I, li- I literally do not understand it. Yes, goalkeepers are this mythical, mag- magical, protected species for some god knows reason. But all Akanji was trying to do there is win a header. He's, o- he's Akanji's only crime there is wanting to score the goal himself frankly. It's what it kind of looked like he was trying to do. And the ball fell to Ruben mm. Diaz. You know, Chris Cavanagh, if you ever see him in Mary D's again, I think you'll be booted out very, very quickly, as will your brother as will your brother who's a South Sand season ticket holder, apparently. I mean that's all gone quite, hasn't it, from the scouts. There's always the bigging up, you know, even leading to some thinking the referee had been changed at the last minute, which he hadn't. Um and probably unfortunately for City in that case. But you know, Manchester City <laughs> fan Chris Cavanagh, he's not so much that he's not beloved by the Manchester City fans now, is he? Um just and uh, and frankly I didn't think he was that good for the rest of the game either. You know, got in the way of a couple of city counterattacks, blew the whistle a few times when he probably shouldn't have. Um you know, I think a couple of bookings for dissent, which felt a bit ridiculous, um, even though he was quite hesitant to use his cards for a lot of that game, um, which usually benefits him. Mm. But I don't really think much of what he tried to do in that game helped helped us a lot there. So, yeah, the paycheck must have bounced. Um, just <laughs> one, 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 of the, one of those refereeing performances where, as you, as you say, every angle you see, you just get more and more irate. And then, you know, a, a second, you know, foul on the, foul on the line, apparently by a kanji again. Um, just, I, I just, I just do not understand how any referee comes to that decision, but apparently this one did. Um, I'm not expecting the apology from Howard Webb anytime soon, um, for obvious reasons, but you know, if you know, you know, any other club would probably get, get one anyway. Um, 116 charges if it means getting a, it means getting a goal called your way, frankly for me, just abysmal. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm sorry. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna be outright biased here. It was a bloody abysmal call. Absolutely shocking. Mm. I, I, I don't know. Demote him to the championship. <laughs> the championship, bloody non-league. He can come with us. He can go. He can, he can go down <laughs> to the national league north with us. Um, you know, I don't think it's. I don't think it's necessarily biased to say that um, that the goal should have got, uh, stood. I think it was. Uh, I know, oh, I'm getting back into this. Sort of saying things were just fine when they were had to be good or bad. I think it, you know. I think it was a, an okay referee performance. Um, I was a little bit surprised by his appointment. And, you know, I felt like a an Anthony Taylor or Michael Oliver probably would have been better suited to that sort of febrile atmosphere. But it, the one thing, just finally, then on on the penalty decision, then Adam, because uh, I'm trying to find logic but I'm, I'm struggling the one thing that really confuses me as I'm, as I'm watching it back is Alisson goes down holding his foot and he's, he, you can sort of see him there in, in, and I think he did have a little bit of a problem actually at full time so maybe something happened we didn't see but he's holding his foot but the the decision gets given uh, uh, allegedly gets given for a kanji or, or at least Liverpool fans are telling us it's, it's given because a kanji's holding Allison, Allison's arm. I mean, first of all, if you're a goalkeeper and that's stopping you from catching the ball, then you probably need to find a new position because it, it like you say, it was a howler. 
but he's holding his foot. So he, he's, he's, for all intents and purposes, absolutely joked the referee into giving a decision. He's, he's bought it. I believe I can explain this. First of all, I think the, the issue he had at full time was separate because he did, okay. he pulled his hamstring trying. I don't know if you, you probably didn't see this from your end of the ground, but in the last like 10 minutes or so, he tried an outside of the boot clearance <laughs> and, and What's he definitely doing? pulled his hamstring. <laughs> what is it? What, you know, I listen to a lot of football coverage. Obviously it's my job. And, um, He's kind of universally hailed as the best goalkeeper in the world. Is it just me or does he have a shocking performance against City every single every time? time? Every, every time. Every single time. Yeah. Um, but anyways, the foot issue, I think a kanji might, they might like tap toes as a kanji is jumping with him. And then that was, okay. I think that was the contact he was trying to sell when actually the contact that was given was the one on the arm. Either way, it's soft as shit. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a tap on the toe midair is no. I think they like. From... I think they jumped. In so the, as in he's the power going of up, jumping, okay. I think yeah. maybe Akanji like s- slightly steps on his foot, but you know, it's it's marginal. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know where we go. I don't know where we go from here because for me. And and you know without maybe sort of going full rant, Ollie, and uh, for once maybe this is one of those occasions where I think it's it's perfectly acceptable for the referee to stop the game for two three minutes, go over to the monitor himself because he gave that decision. He was the one who gave the decision, and then he's been told by somebody else whether or not it, it matches the clear and obvious error. Because I don't think that's what was being. I don't think what was being debated was was it a foul. I think they were trying to trying to get to some conclusion whether or not this imaginary threshold that has been fought up, whether or not it, it sort of met that, whether or not it was clear and obvious enough. Why has the referee not gone and had, had a second look at it himself? Because I I, I don't like VAR. I'd have scrapped it the day it came in and I still scrap it now. But I would rather a referee who's given the decision go and back it up. And even if it after that they'd have come back and said, you know, no goal, my decision stands, I still think it's XYZ because of ABC. Um then fair enough. But it just to me sound it looked like an uh, an occasion for him to go over and have another look at it, clarify it, and probably had he seen it, give the goal. Yeah, on those more marginal ones, I'm more surprised that referees don't go and look at the screen regardless. Um, there was a, there was a great clip a few mm. years ago that almost sold me on VAR at the time. And it was a referee who's now in the Premier League now, Jared Gillett. Um, it's the famous video of him refereeing in the A League. And it has all mm. of the referees and the assistants and the VAR, you know, the, their microphones are all linked up and synced up. And, it, and, it, and he says at some point, should I go look at the screen to sell it? You know, and the, and this is kind of one of those things with VAR. I just th- I just think if you're making these really marginal decisions on quite tough calls, if you're if you're convinced it's one way or the other, at least of the decency to go and look at the screen and you know ha- make sure check that is the whole point of VAR. You know, the stoppages and the length of them is ridiculous. But frankly, if you're gonna if you're gonna stop the game, and you and you're and you want to be confident in your decision have the decency to go and check the screen, especially in a game of this magnitude. I'm not saying that all ge- that every single game should be refereed differently into different thresholds based on its importance. But frankly, a top-of-the-table clash between two of the best teams in the world, it, carry- it carries a little bit more weight. Those marginal calls carry a little bit more weight. So frankly, yeah, it's, I just think it's the absolute f- 
flaw in VAR that we're just putting trust in other individuals mm. who multiple times already this season have proven incompetent. You know, we don't we don't know the backstories. I'm sick of seeing Howard Webb come on Sky Sports or wherever and have to apologise for this and apologise for that. And then we have to sit through five minutes of, you know, microphone and video footage and all of these replays to go, okay, so what we knew six weeks ago is actually true now. You know, what we knew at the time mm. is now true. And you're now, you're, you're now finally accepting that because I'm pretty convinced we'll see this, this clip, this call time and time and time again. City fans are going to remember it for a very long time, especially if it ends up actually influencing the outcome of this season. Um, but yeah, just, just not very good refereeing and very, very bad use of VAR, in my opinion. You know, the year is 2023, the year of our Lord. Um, surely the referee can just have like an iPhone in his pocket in his, in his frocket and just pull it out and look at the footage. Right. Or, or on a, yeah. on a wristwatch or something. Like I know, I know that referees are a bit like local policemen in that they're all way too sluggish and out of shape for how often they need <laughs> stamina in their daily career. Um, but surely he could just stand right where he is and look at a little screen in his hand and make the decision. Do we need a nice TCL TV parked over at the tunnel of of the ground. Can't they just do it from where they're standing? Well, well, well. This is the thing, isn't it? I think was it, it rugby? There was it TMO. They call it. You know, they just show it on the screens mm. in the stadiums where that is possible, which is very much is a city. There's two very big, nice, large screens, and at the end of the ground, you know, use them for the VAR calls. I've I've said this since VAR came in. Mm. If there's screens in the ground where they can show what the VAR are seeing, show it on the big screens in the stadium. It's that simple. People, all yeah. people want the, really. The family stand ultras might riot though if they show. The, <laughs> they can't they see show it. the missed call on the screen. But but ultra, family but stand ultras are in the concourse getting pissed, so they won't <laughs> they won't have to worry about that anyway, especially that early in the second half. But ultimately, transparency is all we can really call for more of. And um, you know, putting it on TV six weeks after the fact and releasing the you know the footage and the sound to the new, to the newspapers a few weeks after the fact is nothing for transparency we want to mm. see it in the ground we want to see it on the tv it's that it really is that simple and i just think they keep getting it wrong and you know at this point if we're going to use var like this just get rid of it you know i i wasn't massively in favor of it at the time but and the more it's gone on the more i just think we're incapable in this country of using it properly I just don't think the officials are good enough. I don't mm. think I don't think the thresholds upon which what is clear and obvious are good enough. I don't think some of the new laws that have been created because of VAR are uh, anywhere near good enough for a sport of our standard. You know, when we look at how other sports use, you know, video assistant systems and, you know, using th- third officials almost, you know, external officials, I think would be a better way of putting it to judge these mar- more marginal calls. You know, I think cricket does it perfectly with DRS. I think rugby does it much better than football with TMO. Um, it's seriously, seriously disappointing that, you know, we're continuing to get it wrong in, continuing to get it wrong in the Premier League. Um, and the referees, mm. you know, we said at the time, a lot of people said at the time who were in favour of VR, referees need all the help they can get. I think if anything, it's just made them worse and, you know, made them gone backwards in quality. 
Yeah, um, yeah, and I mean, like I said, about <laughs> UK and US food traditions and culture traditions, we could spend another hour speaking about VAR, but I suspect we probably will do later down the line, and it has been said a number of times before. Um, we'll call it a day there then. Like I said, Adam, tomorrow you'll be looking a little bit more at the tactic side of thing as the dust has settled, looking at why Erling Haaland wasn't serviced, serviced more than he was. Um, but until then, thank you very much, Adam. Uh, you're welcome. Oh, what's that? It's a plane flying overhead. It says, <laughs> please subscribe, follow, leave a rating, and leave a review. Who spent money on that shit? <laughs> <laughs> Top form. Ollie, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And, I, and I'd say 115 times more, but that would just extend this podcast far longer than it needs to be. Oh, I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. And for me, that will do. Until next time, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.